Let's pray. Lord, I just, um, I can feel you. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would give me the words tonight and uh, that you would give ears to everybody else. Lord, I just pray that that you would just um, make this room full of unity, Lord, this love. And God, I pray that we would fall more in love with you tonight in your word. And Lord, I just pray that um, that you would be glorified. And Lord, that, that everywhere where we slip up, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage us and you would challenge us and you would correct us and you would discipline us and you would bring it all back together, God. You would, you would right all of our wrongs. And Lord, you would just... Lord, we want to trust in you as our Savior tonight, and we really, really mean that. Lord, in your name we pray, amen. So, um, so you'll have to forgive me a little bit. I have been feeling kind of sick the past couple of days. My mouth is like the Sahara Desert. I don't know why. It's just like, I just, I don't know, so dry. But anyways... Um, so I want to be a little bit transparent with you, uh, especially the kids, my students, my, I'm sorry, my kids, you aren't really kids, you're more like adults, young adults, but, um, see, like, uh, the Taboo series was kind of cool, uh, because it talked about, you know, real issues, and, uh, and it was really cool for me because throughout that time, I was thinking to myself, I don't know, it's just like this sense of, of growth and this sense of um, responsibility I felt for you guys. And um, I don't know, now I'm just, I'm looking back at it because I kind of, I don't know, it's just really cool that whole, that whole month or so that we were in that. And um, I'm starting to feel the gravity of, um, of really the responsibility that I have as, uh, I guess, the shepherd of this flock, you know, you are my sheep, I guess, um, and that's a really heavy weight, I know there's, I mean, comparatively speaking to the other youth ministries that y'all know about, you know, like First Baptist and all those other uh, youth ministries that we kind of get involved with, Dean Allen stuff, we're kind of small, um, but um, I don't know, I was just thinking, most of the time when I get up here, I'm nervous, because I begin to speak, and I'm like, well, you know, some weeks I'm like, you know, like overly prepared, like I want to say so much that I can't really get it out. And then other weeks I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to say. And then God gives me the words and it's just, you know, everybody's in tears or whatever. I don't know. I guess the only person who knows really what I'm talking about is the speakers. You kind of know what I'm talking about. But I don't know. It's just I, the, I heard Francis Chan say the other day, I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling, but I need you all to hear this. Um, he said that when you get nervous, you're really in sin because what you're getting nervous about is the people loving you. And, um, and you're nervous about what you say, and you're nervous about how they'll react to you and whether they'll love you or not. But really why I'm up here and the reason why I preach is because I love you, not because I want you to love me. But I want to tell you all thank you and uh, for loving me anyway. You all are awesome all of you guys, and uh, I can't wait, I mean, just knowing you guys since I started coming here, and even before some of you, but just getting to know you guys, and getting to have small groups with you guys, I, 
God's doing a lot of things behind the scenes right now, and I don't know if y'all can feel it, but I can feel like this sense of just, I don't know, there's just like a unity, you know, just like a new season at a, a simple church, especially for Simplify. And, um, but anyways, we're starting in this new series called Rooted, and, um, and I was kind of hesitant. I was like, I was really trying to think of something like super, super cool, like Taboo was, you know, it was like really interesting, you know, Every single topic was like, okay, yeah, I know exactly what that's about, and I, I deal with that every single day, all those other kind of things. But this is kind of different, and I, I thought of it because um, most of the time uh, we have new Christians, right? But we don't really tell them what to do after or how to live the Christian faith or to really tell them their goal. We don't really say, you know, like, well, here's step one, step two, step three. I know it's really not that simple to say, oh, this is how salvation works. But we really need to see a big picture of it, right? We need to see, like, okay, where are we going to end up? What are we going to struggle with in between? I need to know how to deal with this. I need to know how to deal with that instead of, you know, just come up on it and be like, whoa, you know, like, hey. So well, we want to talk about it before it actually gets here. And then once it gets here, you kind of know what questions to ask. You know who to go to or you know what scripture to go to. So what I want to start off with in Rooted is just, see, basically the idea behind Rooted is your roots are growing deep in Christ, kind of like the picture. You see all the roots just growing deep. They're wide, and they're, they're going deeper and deeper to search for more water. And then the tree sprouts out, and you're growing in maturity and in wisdom and in love. And the, strong, the bigger you get, the stronger you get in your faith. And so we're, that's what we're talking about, being rooted in Christ. And so tonight we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to be starting in verse 13, and the title of this message is called Spiritual Milk, and uh, you'll see why closer to the end, but uh, I'm going to start off reading in verse 13. It says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So you get saved. You're a Christian now. You're a follower of Christ. And, you know, well, if you ask your friend at school, hey, man, are you a Christian? They're probably going to say, yeah. So we really kind of need to define what that is. When you follow after Christ... That means you're following after what he does. We talk about this a lot, like so much. I don't know if there goes a week in Simple Church if we don't talk about what being a real Christian is. You know, it kind of gets monotonous, maybe. I don't know. Maybe to you it's like really awesome and fires you up. And maybe to others it's like, okay, blah, blah, blah. I'm tired of hearing this. So what about being a Christian? What does that mean? When you become a Christian, what do you do after that? Well, number one, we're going to talk about being holy. So what does that mean? Being holy is to be set apart. And at the very end of that, you heard it said, you must be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. And so God is set apart in his character and the fact that he is perfect and everything he does is so unique. And so since we now become a follower of him, we are now his child. We are to be holy just as our heavenly Father is holy. And so as a child, and you, you, know, you want to always imitate your parents. That's what you kind of do. You walk in the footsteps your dad's walk in, or you look up to your mom in certain ways. That's what we do with God. We look up to him, and we try to imitate him. 
And so why is that so important? Well, here's the thing. I remember what it was like to be in high school, and uh, I really remember what it was like to be different. You see, there's a lot of people nowadays that the, the mainstream thing to do is to not be mainstream. Does that make sense? You know, you want to be a little bit, you want to have a little bit different pair of glasses than the next person because you want, you know, you don't want to be like everybody else. But really, in reality, you're trying to, you know, you end up being like everybody else. Not being mainstream is really kind of mainstream. Well, it's not that kind of different. It's the kind of different that sets you apart in a lot of other ways, like your character, what you believe, how you how you react to things, what, you, what kind of crowd you hang around, and how do you react to certain things that they say. And so the thing about being different as being a Christian, being holy, in high school, that's really, really, really hard. And in all areas of life, that's really hard, but we only know about high school right now because y'all are in high school. And so I'm just thinking things like locker room or, you know, some of y'all are in public school, some of y'all are in private school. Those are kind of different and all these kind of things. It's really hard to be holy or to be unique and then to really embrace that without trying to go to the other side sometimes. So what does being holy mean? It's not going back to your old way of living. You see, what you did when you became a Christian is you have this life and you stepped into a new life and you stepped into a new place, a new, a new thing you're following. You're no longer following after your own desires. You're following after Christ. You're following after what He wants. And because you chose him, not because someone chose him for you, not because someone said, oh, now you're a Christian, it's because you said, no, see, what I want to do is not follow after myself. I want to follow after Christ now. I want to do what he does. So now I'm going to be holy. I want to be set apart. I'm going to do what he did, not what I want to do or not what everybody else wanted. And so what does being holy mean? It means not stepping back into your old ways. And why is that so hard? Because when you become a Christian, not everybody just knows what that means, knows what that looks like. And most people say, I am a Christian. Well, they still do things like cuss and drink and, and go to parties, do, you know, smoke and do all those other kinds of things. A lot of people who call themselves Christians actually aren't set apart. And so it's kind of hard to say, I am a real Christian, and then really do what real Christians do and set themselves apart and not do those things. But on the other hand, Still be around those people because you want to show them love. Now, can I get an amen how hard that is? Adults, is that hard in the workplace? Students, is that hard? Is that hard to be unique yet still be around everybody who needs the salvation that you have? I mean, that, that's really hard to me. I don't, I don't know about y'all, but that's, that's something we don't really talk about very much. That's really, really hard because we're turning a 180 from our old life to our new life. But then we got to turn our 180 again and go back to the people that need it, but still be set apart and still have that same mentality. That's hard. Well, the first thing you have to know about being a Christian is you have to be holy. You just have to be set apart. You have to follow it after what Christ did. Now, it's going to get hard, so that's why we're going to keep reading. In verse 17, it says, And remember, remember, that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. 
through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. And so you're being holy in your, in your life, and you're trying to be set apart, but you're not being prideful, and you got all these different things. You're trying to be a balance. You're not trying to be a Pharisee and just follow the rules, but you're trying to follow after Christ and his Holy Spirit that's in you and still want to be with these people who need salvation, but you don't want to live like them. That's really hard. So what do you do? You remember. You remember that God chose Christ. He didn't, he didn't, you had a ransom to pray, okay? So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to paint a picture here real quick. So just pretend that you were kidnapped, okay? You were kidnapped. You're walking down the road. You get this black limousine kind of, you know, or white creepy van. Drives by, picks you up, and, you know, they say, all right, we're going to call your parents, and they have to pay not a million dollars, not five million, but they have to pay something much larger than that. And so they're, they're like, oh, my goodness, what, what could it be? What could it be? And so what they need, they need somebody's life to set you free. You see, because money can go away. But these people who kidnapped you, they realize that. They realize that money is perishable. Money doesn't last forever, okay? It can be ripped up. It can be burned. It can do all kinds of things. When you die, it dies too. You don't get to bring it with you. Okay, what they need is they need a life. They need, to, they need, all the, you know, they need something that's it's big time. Like this is something that, that somebody probably wouldn't do. And to set you free, one of your parents has to die, okay? And so you're in that van, and what's your dad that your dad calls? Hey, listen, son, I love you, and this is what I'm going to have to do, okay? I'm going to have to give my life so that you would be set free. And he does it, and then you're set free. That's what Christ did. That's what God did in Christ to save you. You see, it wasn't just silver or gold. It was something much more precious than that. It was blood. You see, that's what you have to remember. When you're, when you're living this life, you see, God has no favorites. So it says in the beginning, God has no favorites. The, the Father whom you pray to has no favorites, and he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear as your time here is temporary residence. You see, you're not of this world anymore. When you became a Christian, you stepped out of, the, you know, you understand that when you became a Christian, now you get to go to heaven, right? Well, that's, this is not your home. That's where you can have your confidence in the fact that, okay, you're different, and you're different for a reason. That's because this place is not your home anymore. Heaven is. And so when you're living this life, and, and you're, you're going through all these hard times, and you're trying to be different, you're living a 180 life, remember the cost that sets you free. Remember how much your salvation cost. And it was the precious blood of Christ. And thirdly, it goes on to say, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. So first, you have to be holy. Secondly, remember the cost. And thirdly, you must show sincere love to each other. Now, I want to confess something, and I don't know, this is where we talk about this so much. Like, this love that we show each other is so unique and so different that the people outside there have to see that it's different. It's, it's not just, you know, a love between a husband and a wife. It's not just, you know, love that you have between 
you know, friends, this is different. This, is, this has God involved, and it's sacrificial, all these other kind of things. And I, I'm just thinking about, you know, I'm just thinking about in my life, do I really show that? Because, you know, I could talk about it because it's in there. And so when I say it, it's truth. But, you know, like Kenny says, we, I have to hear it twice, you know, when, I, when God speaks it to me and then when I speak it to y'all. But, you know, do I really live that? Do I really show that? And I'm just thinking, I, I just confess, like, not really. You know, I don't know, there's just, there's just something inside of me that says that I could go deeper. There's something inside of me that says, okay, you know, like, how much do you love your brother or your sister? You know, how far are you willing to go to, to make them feel loved? Or if they're struggling, how, you know, and you got something else to do, is that five minutes, you know, that important that you can't go back and, and ask how your brother and sister is doing? Or, you know, give them a hug? Or maybe it's somebody at school and they need, they need a church home. They need a place to come and, and hear God's word, you know. I was kind of like, do I really show that? And all of us need to ask ourselves that same question. Do we really show that? You see, I don't know, there's just, when we talk about showing love to each other, I feel like we automatically think about self. Well, is somebody showing me love? Because I think they're in sin for not showing me love or something like that. Or just think selfishly and think, well, I know that's true. And, you know, I guess my love is just, you know, giving them some money or something like that. Well, how deep are you going and how... How fully are you loving them? It says to love each other with all of our hearts. Are we really doing that? You see, we're to live holy, separate, or unique. And we remember the salvation that Christ died for us. And it wasn't just gold or silver. It was His blood. He really loved us that much. And we're supposed to show other people, our brothers and sisters, that kind of love. And that's part of salvation. That's part of growing in Christ. That's part of your, your roots growing deep because what you have to give up is self. You see, Christ said, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross daily and follow after me. You have to give up self. That's like the number one thing. When you think about following after Christ, the number one thing you have to give up, and tell me if I'm wrong, when you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to follow after Christ, or am I not? The am I not is, uh, well, I really kind of want self. Like, I don't really want to give up full control. I don't really want to give up myself and my desires for Christ. You know, like, which one's better? Which, one's, which one am I going to do? It's self. And you have to give up self and then love others. And so when you continuously love your brother or sister, you're continually shutting self down. And it's a continual process. Salvation, you have to grow in. It doesn't just happen once and then, you know, you're done for the rest of your life. You can just, you know, you know sit back, relax. It's something that happens every single day. It's something you work for, something you put effort to, towards. And so it goes on. It says, For you have been born again but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it, comes from the, because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. As the Scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And that Word is the good news 
that was preached to you. And so, this is the part, I don't know, I feel like as a teenager, I would have really questioned why I would live like this, or I would really question why to give up self so much, or to live holy, or to be different, be unique, love somebody else more than I love myself. I probably would have questioned that, and I did. But the, really, the thing that sets this life apart from just any normal life is the fact that this life doesn't end. The life that you live when you fall after Christ doesn't end. You see, your life ends in this body, and it will end quickly. But because the life, you, you were born again, that means that God gave you a new life. He birthed a new life in you. You were dead in your sin, and now you are alive. To be honest with you, I don't really know how to explain that. I don't really know how to tell you, like, well, what's the new life? But I think we all get the picture of the fact that your life is new. Now you are alive. And the fact that, that when Christ died and rose again, well, we have that new life that we get to go to heaven. I really think that's kind of the big picture of what it means. But to be honest, you know, this life that we live, I, I'm just thinking to myself that, see, we have 80 years here about 80 years, and we're going to go through it worrying about money, we're going to worry about cars, and right now you're probably wondering about colleges, what kind of sports you want to play in college, or if you don't, or what kind of career you want, whatever, you're probably thinking about those things, and those things will end. No matter what you do, no matter what you have, it will end, and you cannot take it with you. And nothing you can put your, your, your trust in on this, on, in this world will actually last you. There's nothing you can put your trust in that will not fail you. You can put your trust in concrete. Eventually, that concrete will go to waste. Eventually, everything you can put your trust in, no matter what it is, it is all dying. It is all decaying, everything on this earth. And so when you put your trust in Christ, it doesn't end. This new life does not end. Because it comes from the eternal word of God. And so that's what our life is. And that's the why. Why do we follow after Christ? Why do we want to be holy? Why do we want to love other people when we love ourselves? Why do we want to remember the salvation that happened to us? Because it's eternal. Because it doesn't end. Because we don't have to die and go to hell. Because we get to go and live with our creator, the lover of our souls. That's the why. And I was just thinking about this message because... To me, I'm just thinking, this is boring, maybe? I don't know. I was reading the, the scripture. I'm just like, well, there's really nothing that's like, you know, hook them in the mouth, and there's really nothing I can say to make the, you know, just, you know, pop up out of the water and just be like, oh, my goodness, this is so awesome. I, I just want to cry. But I'm just thinking, like, this eternal life, we're so accustomed to hearing that word, to hearing what Christ did for us on the cross, that it really doesn't even phase us anymore. When we think about eternal life, we think about, we think about what he did for us on the cross, it really it doesn't phase us. We have to have something that's deeper. We have to have something that is going to you know, capture our attention and, and you know, suck us in and do all those other kind of things. Can we get back to the basics for just a minute? And think about the fact that Christ died to save us so that we wouldn't have to die eternally. That is a major issue. And that's something that, that 
we should be scared of, honestly. We should be scared of that. And we should be, we should be thinking about, okay, this life doesn't last very long. What do I need to do? What do I need to live for? How do I need to live my life? That's the number one question. And as teenagers, you're getting started early. You can get started early or, or you can live this life until, you, until you're 50 years old and then start to question and, and realize that you just wasted 50 years. Or you can start now and think about eternity and think about investing into that and think about investing into somebody else's eternity. And so what do we do? It says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like, in, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual, pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So my challenge to you is, we just named off four things. Being holy. Remembering that Christ died for you and the price that he had to pay for your life. Loving each other and the eternal life that he offers you. That's spiritual milk. That's pure spiritual milk with so much nourishment for you to grow. If you think about a baby and how much it grows from the time it's, it's born until, until it's like three or four years old, that's a lot of growth in that, in that amount of time because that milk is so full of nourishment. The baby lives on milk for so long. That is crazy to think about. All the nourishment it needs is in that milk, and all the nourishment that you need in your faith is in what we just talked about, in God's Word, and you must crave that spiritual milk. And see, in other parts of the Bible, it talks about spiritual milk versus spiritual meat. And it's telling them, hey, you're still on the spiritual milk even though you've been saved for a really long time. You should really be eating some solid food, some, like, some meat, but you really, you're just kind of hanging on to the milk. And I'm not really sure why, but you need to step it up. But here, in this passage, it's talking about a general sense of salvation. You need to suck in this nourishment and keep it in you. You need to crave it because it is all that you need. We don't need anything else. We need this nourishment. We need to grow in Christ. And for us to realize that Christ is all we need, it's going to take a little bit of humility. It's going to take a little bit of you thinking, okay, I need this and I need less self. And you need to crave things like holiness, living holy, living pure, living for Christ, loving each other, and then thinking about this eternal life that you don't just live here. You're not of this world. You're of the next world. That is your home. So you need to live like that. And if you're not living like that, you really need to be questioning why. Because I promise you, when you get older and you start to wonder what life is all about, you're going to realize that you missed it. And so, my challenge to you guys, and we're starting small groups. We're going to be starting uh, different things that, you know, there's some things out there I will talk about in a minute, but... We're about to start growing together, and this is where it starts. It starts with each and every single individual that we have in our group craving this spiritual milk. 
and loving each other, living holy. And it includes all the adults too, investing into each student and loving them and understanding that we are one body. We're all one body. It's not the youth and the adults. We're one body. We're supposed to invest into one another. The students are supposed to live pure lives and and lead an example for the adults to see and say, I want to be like that. I want to have a childlike faith, and I want to live by their example. And the adults, you're supposed to pour your wisdom into them and say, don't be like me. Don't do this or do this or don't do that. Whatever you got to do, we're supposed to be pouring into each other. And we're all supposed to be able to, we're all supposed to be craving this spiritual milk. We're supposed to be digging into God's word because that's what we need. In Jeremiah, it talks about, God, I want your word more than I want food because it means that much to me. And I was thinking today, I I took my lunch break and I was having a really bad day and I got in trouble for something stupid and and all this other kind of stuff, and I was just like, I'm just, I'm not feeling it, I'm sick, I'm just like, I was so mad, and then here comes lunchtime, and I thought, I'm not even hungry. All I need right now is God's Word, and this is not me saying, you know, hey, look at me, look how great I am, I'm not trying to, you know, share with my left hand what my right hand is doing, okay, I'm not trying to do that, I'm just saying this is a real life example of what I'm talking about. I was in there, and I, I really wasn't even hungry. And this is usually what I mean. I'm trying to grub at lunchtime. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to, it's the downhill slope. I'm trying to get all the food in I can because in that 30 minutes, it's all I got to just relax and stop focusing on how stupid work is. You know what I'm talking about? So I know y'all, I know, y'all know what I'm talking about. At lunchtime at school, y'all be grubbing, and then, you know, come next period, y'all, you know what I'm talking about? And for me, it was math. And that was horrible. I mean, I was like, that's the worst class to sleep in, okay? Don't fall asleep in math. You can't take your notes home. You know, it's not on a PowerPoint. You can't, you know what I'm saying? History, you're good with that. Sorry for any history teachers in here, but you can read those on PowerPoints, all right? But anyways, here's what I was saying. I sat down, and I wasn't even hungry. I thought about just going there and forcing myself to eat, but I was like, you know what? I just need God's Word. And Francis Chan said it one time, I don't... It wasn't Francis Chan who said it, but it was him who quoted the scripture, and I just can't remember where it was from. But he talks about how just one person in the whole body can bring the whole body down. Just that, just one person. And I realized a long time ago when I first started coming to Simple Church that I was that one person. I would come in here, I was just dull, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I, was, where I was going. I didn't know anything. I was just dull. I didn't want to love anybody. I wanted everybody to love me. I wanted to be, you know, put on this pedestal, and I, I wanted to do all these cool things, and I wanted, I, I don't know, I just, I just wasn't feeling it. I wasn't ready to come in here and worship. I wasn't living like Christ outside of the church walls, yet everybody who knows me thinks, you know, oh, he's a good Christian, you know, he's a youth pastor, all this other kind of stuff. So like, I had this expectation built up in my head that you know, other people have to see me this way. So even if I'm not feeling this way inside my heart, I have to you know, you know, make this, uh, you know, just you know, fabricate this you know, worship or fabricate this life of Christ because I don't want people looking at me thinking I'm not following Christ. It was just horrible. It's a horrible time in my life, and I, and I didn't like who I was. But what I was doing, I could tell by the people around me that I was bringing the people around me down. 
And I really feel like, this is honestly what I feel like, I feel like that I was holding the whole church growth up. I was stunting the whole church's growth because I was not coming in here living like I should. I was not coming in here ready to worship, full of God's word. I didn't know how long. I went so long without even reading the Bible. It was, it was crazy how much it affected my life. And the reason why I say that is because each and every individual, you have a purpose in the body. You might be a finger, you might be a toe, you might be a nose, you might be eyes. I don't know what you are, but you have a purpose and you have a responsibility to live holy, to read God's word and to be all about it and to crave this nourishment. You need it. We need it to grow. And if you don't want to grow, and if you don't want this milk, if you don't want to be a part of the body, then you don't have to be. But that's our responsibility as Christians. And that's what we got to do. That's the first step. Some of us haven't drinking or drunk of this spiritual milk in so long. We haven't craved God more than we crave literal food. So my challenge to you tonight is, where are you? Where are you in your walk? Has it been a while since you really just got down and face-to-face with God and just let it all out? Like, God, I need you. Or are you just now starting your faith journey and you really want to know where to go next and this holy thing, this remembering your salvation, all this kind of thing, it's all coming on so strong. Do you need to just pray and ask God for guidance? What is it that you need? I'm going to invite you to come and pray and just ask how you can be of help in the body of Christ and start this journey, maybe with a new Christian or continue your journey on as an experienced, mature Christian. So let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your word. God, how it nourishes our souls. Lord, I just pray for every Christian in here, Lord, that we would just recognize you in our lives and give up self and and follow after you truly, Lord. Lord, that's my heart. And Lord, I know that's everybody's heart in here. God, I know that they came here for a reason. They came here to hear a word from you. And God, some of them need encouragement. God, some of them just need love. Lord, I pray that that I would just give up self and love them. God, you would show me who to love tonight. And you would just show me who to who to go and encourage. Lord, that you would just show me how I can be more like you so that I can bring others to you. Lord, I pray that, that once we start forgetting this salvation, God, when we go day in and day out, God, it's easy to forget how much you paid for our life. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't forget, we would just remember and we would live in fear of you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we just remember that like this life is temporary. But God, the life you give us, God, it it goes way beyond this one. Now, we have to live with you forever, and I pray that we would just you would begin to give us wisdom and understanding of what that actually means, and that we would just be able to understand what it means to to live for you.
And then, God, we would just crave this spiritual milk. God, we would crave it so that we could be nourished by it and grow into a full experience of salvation. Lord, it's in your name we ask these things. Amen.